The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour. I'm Sharon Kleina. The theme of our show, the message of our show is Power of Water. Will that save your life? You bet. And somebody else's in the world if you get behind the concerns that water is the most important primary source of all life on earth. And the water in the air, the humidity, is also a very important lifesaver. Now, there's so much to learn every week when we have these shows. We have the most wonderful guests possible. Today we have Peter McCarthy, who is author and traditional naturopath. He's CEO of Life Energy Holistic Partners in Austin, Texas. We're going to be discussing the Adrenaline Nation, and I'm really looking forward to that because today we're all thinking about what happened last week in Aurora, Colorado, with the massacre of the gun shooting. But before we begin our um, moment with Peter and talking of health issues, and water, of course, will be included, There's some things that you need to know about and be reminded each week. Water is the most important part of our life on this planet Earth. Without the water, there is no life. And without the water on the surface of the Earth, there is no breath of life, moisture. They must attract water on the surface to attract to the environment, the atmosphere. And it also, as you've been learning and we've been talking about, influences the whole solar system as we believe that because there's water on Earth, it must have something to do with something else going on with our, our position in the solar system. Now, in the world of water, the number of people worldwide that do not have safe water are well over 1.1 billion. Now, our population is over a little over 7 billion people living on Earth. So if you've got 1.1, well over 1.1 billion that don't have safe water, that is an unhealthy planet. We've got to take that serious. And I truly believe any country listening, individuals listening, if your people in your country do not have safe water or enough water, please reach out to your leaders, your politicians, and make, get them to make it a priority that water is priority to all standards of living. Everybody should have safe, free drinking water. Everyone. So, with those, as you know, that we have over 5,000 children dying a day because they don't have water at all. So, there are countries of the world where related diseases are up to over 5 million people because of bad water. 
Now, those diseases can become very expand throughout the world. Now, there could be other countries that believe that they have the great best standard of living, but maybe have not taken water as a serious priority. And as you may have heard Dr. Dwayne Cecil and I talking last week's show, that should be every political leader's priority, number one, water, and then things would trickle down after that. But if they don't make water a priority, how are you going to be healthy? How are you going to be safe? Today also the other announcement that I want to make is in Beijing yesterday they had enormous rainfall. They received over 16 inches of rain within a short period of time. It wasn't that long ago that Beijing was announcing in 2010 a drought. Now Beijing has had yesterday over 16 inches of rain and sadly our hearts go out in prayers to the 30 families of the 37 people who passed away, died because of either drowning or maybe some are missing. Um, But Beijing yesterday, now, they mentioned that because the infrastructure of Beijing has been growing so rapidly that the drainage systems were not well done, well thought out to consider this kind of enormous rainfall. There was a young man who was there from another country who said when that rain came down, it was like a waterfall was coming down. None of the streets were showing up. The storm drains could not keep up. And this is something we want the water. Water is vital, and we need to store that water when it comes down. We don't want it all to run to the aquifers only and to the oceans. We need some of that on Earth to be able to use it for our life and agriculture and everyday living. So... Again, that was an amount of water that that was brought down from the heavens above, let's say. But could they save it all? I don't know, because the storm drains were not able to deal with it, and a lot of people's lives were lost, and uh, several million people are uh, away from their home at this time. I should say several thousands of people are uh, homeless at this moment, trying to get back into their homes. Life on this earth depends upon the water. And you must need the water for your agriculture. And number two is your nutrition. And what is happening to our health and our life and the stress that's going on with what's available to us is very exhausting for people all over the world, whether you live in a a village where you're living in a hut or you're living in a community in America where you have everything you think you would want but maybe not safe water. Stop to think about that. Make it a priority. I'm going to take a moment with our sponsor. As you know, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center. We study water. And uh, we took water to a different direction. When you're using water to drink and you're taking a bath or a shower or you're uh, using it for your watering your lawns or your irrigation for your agriculture and power and more, but I found another direction. The humidity of our lives, the air we're breathing, is not always healthy. So Biologic Aqua is the founder of holding on to handheld devices to mist the water, like your own portable humidifier. One of the products that is worldwide is Nature's Tears Eye Mist. Did you know that at the surface of your eye is 99% water? Then if you touch it with an eye drop or you go in to touch it with your fingers, it disturbs that water content there at the surface of the eye. 
that you have a tear film area called the aqueous layer. It needs to be supplemented. No, no different than you need to drink. It's important. Eight to ten glasses of fresh, pure water, nothing added to be healthy internally, but also externally. The eyes need moisture, a supplement, water. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be back with Peter McCarthy. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. I introduce to my audience Dr. Peter McCarthy, who is author and traditional naturopath, and he's the CEO of Life Energy. Are you with us, Doctor? I sure am, Sharon. Glad to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Well, thank you for taking your time and joining us. Boy, you have had a you've had quite a past. I've been reading up on you. And uh, how long have you been uh, doing what you're doing? You became a naturopath, and now you're a writer, and and you're di- diving into some of the descriptions that I believe is causing the worst dehydration is stress. Uh, how did why did you become a, a naturopath? Well, you know, I, I saw the stress that my family members, my coworkers, my colleagues were experiencing in their personal and professional lives. Starting with my own family, I saw uh, all of my parents' generation and my family perish from what I finally uh, was able to realize were diet and right, lifestyle-related illnesses, but more to the point related to stress. I grew up in the New York City area, one of the highest stress environments in the country, uh, and that interest in health also continued throughout my military career uh, as well as my airline prof- uh, professional airline career, and it caused me really to, to want to take the next step and become a naturopath, to learn more from a professional level about stress, and then finally, of course, to write this book. You know, I'm going to say something there. You mean more of a natural level of life than professional because nature is offering us all of these secrets to learn more about our individual life, but we're not wanting to listen to nature. We're wanting to run, we're turning to what's the quick fix. So you 
I believe we're more interested in not what's the quick fix, what can we do to get to the foundation of what's causing this. That's exactly right, and and that's a great way of characterizing it. Uh, When you look at what I wrote in Adrenaline Nation, it's not just take this herb or do this meditation and you'll have less stress, although there are certainly resources that I talk about in the book that uh, allow people to do that. But at the same time, uh, I looked at the business community, the government, our healthcare system, and society, because all of those play a very significant role, each in their own right, to, first of all, contribute to the pandemic of chronic stress that we experience in our society, but at the same time, those same communities have a responsibility, I believe, to provide part of the solution. You know, uh, Doctor, I need to tell you one about myself then uh, before we get going. Um, many, many years ago, I was president of the American Cancer Society and very active. I was the founder of a hospital auxiliary, and I could go on. And I noticed that stress was taking lives too quickly, the word stress. And if a p- patient was inter- uh, diagnosed with a terminal problem or a disease that bothered them and it bothered their family at all, concerned their family, that stress took uh, a, a role in the individual, pa- the patient's life that became overpowering. And I could, then I started studying stress. And I wanted to write a book on stress myself so far back. But I ended up studying, Dr. Dehydration of the Body. And I found myself intrigued, and I never let go, and I put millions behind it now, dollars, to where the dehydration of each person's body is different. And those trillions of cells that have water content in the body and that walking water in the body, that sponge, and each person is dealt with differently. Everybody has a different way of handling stress. And then I learned that what was happening on the outside of the body, doctor, was a very exhausting stress. So then I started studying the humidity. And then I started studying what's happening to life around with other people causing the individual stress and the air we're living in. And before I knew it, I could see that, and this has been over 30 years ago I started studying this. I was right. It has gotten so badly out of control and not enough research is going on at the foundation of what is causing individual stress. People are feeling guilty that they have this kind of stress. And it takes them into more stress because they don't want to be stressed. So what what have you found? I know nutrition has a very, and I would say drinking a lot of water, plain water, not having hardly any sugar, low carbohydrate. But what are some of the things you were learning about what the stress and people feel so guilty, doctor, when they're under that kind of pressure and they get that stress and they go into a manic depression, they go into bipolar now, they're going into more, and then sometimes their their lives are just destroyed because they can't learn to deal with it, and the people around them are upset because they're not learning to deal with this stress. What are you What are you learning? 
Well, you know, I, I did a lot of research in the four years where I concentrated on writing this book, and I looked up everything that I could find having to do with the subject of stress, the popular media, the scientific literature, uh, some of the uh, scientific magazines that had articles about stress. And what I discovered was, and you hit on some of these themes already, first of all, as you correctly pointed out, a person's stress load is unique to them because we are all unique beings. But it's also dynamic, meaning that it changes from day to day, sometimes from moment to moment. And if we don't take positive preventive action to uh, alleviate that stress load, it becomes a cumulative burden. But it's also holistic, and, I, and I, I say that not from the standpoint of holistic health as we understand it, but holistic from the standpoint that the stress load that most of us, if not all of us, experience in contemporary American society is not easily alleviated with a magic bullet approach. You can't just take an herb or do a meditation uh, or change your diet and expect that in and of itself to alleviate the stress. Yes, there are some very important things that everybody has to do, and you've obviously tapped into one of them with proper uh, consumption of pure, clean water, but everybody needs to take a multifaceted approach to stress if you're going to meaningfully alleviate it and have it not become a detrimental health factor in your life. Now, when you say the word alleviate, let's back up for a second, balance it out or alleviate it? Do we ever really, the individual has such an individuality that it was nature to them to be more stressed. And it may it could have happened from the day they entered the delivery room. But along the way, do they ever alleviate it? They just learn how to balance it, work with it. Well, you know, when I say alleviate, I don't mean eliminate. I mean okay. reduce the magnitude okay. of it. Okay. Okay. So, um, and actually, when you look at the pioneering stress research in particular that Dr. Hans Selye performed way back in the 1930s when he wrote his first article in the journal Nature, he pointed out that there is such a thing as good stress, what he what he calls eustress, E-U stress, and those are things that, or that, those are the kinds of stress that, for example, you experience when you have a good workout or a brisk walk, uh, when you experience elation, uh, say the day you get married or the birth of a child. Those are the kinds of stressors that have a helpful impact on the body. Now, is that a little bit of anxiety? In other words, you feel kind of excited with stress. The stress is. The, the, the excitement is giving you a little bit of anxiety stress. Well, it's not so much anxiety as it is it it, it causes the body to produce endorphins. Okay, uh, there so we go. Get the, okay, the feel the feel good hormones that okay. you get when you're when you're uh, elated and okay. joyous. Right. When most people talk about stress, and particularly when they talk about chronic stress, mm-hmm. they mean what uh, Dr. Selya called distress which is the detrimental kind of stress that when it is continually applied in various forms over an extended period of time becomes chronic and ultimately results in the body descending into overt illness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, 
you know, you could you could follow me here. Maybe I get a little disturbed when we call everything a disease. Um, when because in modern times, doctor, when you call something a disease, all that everything is a disease. Then people start thinking, well, I guess it's something I have to treat with a, me- a medical treatment rather than going in and taking responsibility to learn more how are they going to control the problem, the symptom, the, the, uh, what is happening, to some of the signals that are happening, that they're not feeling their best and they want to mentally feel better, physically feel better. How do you feel about that? I, I the, the word disease. Do you call that a disease? I don't call stress a disease at all. Stress is an indicator. It's a a marker or a signal that the body is responding to uh, a stimuli that has been imposed either from the exterior uh, or it can be from within your own mind. And, you know, we are unique in terms of our existence on this planet Earth in that although we share the ability to mount a stress response with virtually every other living species on the planet, we're the only ones who can mount a fight-flight response for something that happens entirely inside of our mind. We can create that stress response. And in fact, there's Nobel Prize winning research that went goes back to 1973 that was conducted by two French doctors, doctors Guillemin and Chalet, who showed that the, the body produces stress hormones when it creates mind pictures. And so I like to say that the old adage of you are what you eat has a new partner, and it's you are what you think. And that includes uh, creating stressful conditions in the body simply by thinking about ideas, concepts, situations that we encounter during our, uh, our, our, our everyday lives. You just said something. I said something to somebody one time long ago because they were going through a lot of exhaustion and stress, and they found out later that the individual was almost bipolar and because of some things that I noticed in her. But I used to say, don't think about it. You can think about it once, but don't think about it twice. And, doctor, I think that's what you were just saying. Don't overthink. Don't overthink well, about know. something. If you, if you think you're going to go beyond the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the common sense, just think about it once. But if you're, if you're going to get upset about it, don't think about it until you're ready to think about it once again. I, I think that's a very wise piece of advice to people. And, and, and unfortunately, because our society has created this culture of always trying to outdo yourself, always trying to be perfect, always trying to not make mistakes, we place an inordinate amount of uh, emphasis in our thought processes on avoiding mistakes. Well, we're human beings. We're going to make mistakes. We're, we're we nature. Have... We're a product right. of nature. Yes, we are. And so we have to accept the fact that we are a product of nature, that we will, that mistake is really kind of a a misnomer when you look at this because people so heavily associate that with the idea of error or shortcoming. And it's the way that we learn in in our existence. And so we really need as a society, if you were to characterize uh, our society as having a 
a collective consciousness around this whole area of outdoing yourself and per, uh, perfectionism, we need to really kind of widen back, relax a little bit, and cut ourselves a little slack because a lot of the stress that we create is self-imposed by trying to live by that I can't make a mistake mentality. Well, do you think possibly, Doctor, uh, that and did you learn this? That it's what I was learning when I was studying stress. A, a lot of the stress comes from outside the body, and then being influenced by other people. In other words, Absolutely. it's it's a vulnerability. Some people have a vulnerability to wanting to satisfy others, join in, uh, ha, ha, be part of the stroke. In other words, always get along. And they're afraid of the confrontations. They're afraid of if somebody doesn't agree with what they're doing. And uh, is that the kind, of, the kind of person who would be more prone to stress? Because they're always trying to be getting along and be part of a group, and they're more vulnerable. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. And uh, there are people who do place an inordinate amount of emphasis on what other people think of them. And yes, over time, that can create a mindset where you develop such an anxiety of what does this or that person think of me, maybe my boss, my spouse, my mama, my mom, well, your my parents. dad. Look at the parents and the young yes. people. Yes, absolutely. And so the... I think one of the most valuable pieces of advice that I've ever heard about that uh, comes from a friend of mine uh, who's an inspirational speaker. His name is Les Brown, and he says, never let someone else's negative perception of you determine your reality, meaning just let that slide. When you experience that kind of anxiety, it's really anxiety being directed at you by that other person. So it's their stuff, and you have a choice as to whether or not you're going to take their stuff on. And if you choose not to, you can acknowledge the fact that that person has offered this to you without making it part of your own existence and creating anxiety within you as a result. You know, Doctor, there's an old, there's something that I've thought about so many times. And, and you know, you remember in the old days, I'm 70 years old, and in the old days when I was growing up, manners were so important. And you stop and think about good old-fashioned manners. Now, we were taught to be polite to each member of the family, and especially polite to our elders, Right. That meant we had to give up something at the moment to be that conscious of somebody else outside of our lives, our personal and inner self. We had to think about what's going on in the air we're living in about other people's lives. Some of the things were strange when you stop and think. Don't go to somebody's house if they were going to have dinner. Remember, they might be having dinner then, so we had to stop and think about what's somebody else. Don't walk across the lawn. Walk across the sidewalk because they they have a sidewalk. So we have all these things, Mr. and Mrs., John Doe, and the things that we were taught. But, you know, those good old-fashioned manners, doctor, taught us to think about something else besides ourselves. Or were we as vulnerable because we had to learn to think about somebody else first before well, we what we wanted? Do you think that could be something that happened here that people forgot about good old fashioned manners? Well, I, I think uh, certainly manners are a 
should have a place in society today, and I would agree with you that uh, there are uh, there has been an erosion of civility and uh, good manners in the society. And I think when when we look at it collectively, uh, we we only need to look in the mirror to uh, to know who's responsible for that. Right. Uh, collectively, you know, not necessarily individually. There are people that I know uh, to this day who are very well mannered in the way that you uh, t- you you have described, and I certainly know many young people who are raising children who raise their their children in exactly the same way. But I think there are also people who just think that you know that's kind of an option, and I think that. The more that our interactions become confrontational and abrupt and brusque with one another, it creates stress because you feel, when you're in that kind of environment, a subconscious need to shield yourself, to protect yourself. And Mm -hmm. when you live in an environment like that almost constantly, whether it's at work or at home or even a combination of the two, that can add incrementally but significantly to your stress load. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like when you said uh, release it. I always think about, like, you're going to laugh. It's flowing with the water. Just keep flowing. So if somebody doesn't agree with you, be respectful of where they're coming from. Don't get upset. Just re- you, you can see they disagree or they're wanting you to be offended or they're trying everything they can to get you to be offended. But if you don't react to it and have respect in the fact that there's something there that they're trying to get you to notice, but flow like water with it, and maybe when you walk away and the situation's over with, you can stop and think, I wonder what they were thinking, you know, not just jump immediately and take everything personal. Well, you know, I think that's one of the things that is... um has become a significant factor in uh, people's interactions with each other today in our society, especially in uh, the United States, is there is too much of the taking it personally. You know, uh, I I really, and I've seen it with people driving in traffic. I've seen it in traffic, you know, when when they're in the workplace. People seem to be spring-loaded to the offended position anymore, and it, there there is little tolerance for criticism. Uh, and I don't mean criticism in an abusive or uh, detrimental. No, no, I know it's like being on a good Super Bowl team. If the team doesn't play together and one person wants to take it personal, the team will not win. That's exactly right. And and when you look at the way so many people react anymore in those situations that I've outlined and many others as well, uh, it's no wonder that we have the, the somewhat confrontational mindset that we do. We almost expect people to mistreat us. So therefore, we've got to be on our guard to, to the slightest hint that somebody is uh, is acting disrespectfully towards us. And again, you know, I I like to look at it from the standpoint of widening back and taking a look at that person's own situation and saying, you know, 
maybe they're having a bad day and I should just cut them a little slack as opposed right. to just getting right, right back in their face and saying, well, you treated me this way, so I'm going to treat you that way. Uh, we're not we're not treating each other well and respectfully, I think, in this society. Uh, it's become so contentious, and there are a number of reasons for that, but Again, that's something else that adds to your stress. If you're going to work in a situation where that kind of atmosphere prevails, uh, it can make life a rather miserable. Well, it's experience. not a winning team. It's not a winning that's team. That's exactly right. And I, I write about that in quite a bit of detail in Chapter 3 of Adrenaline Nation called very simply A Day at the Office mm-hmm. because most of the people in this country, because of the way our economy has evolved over time, uh, now can relate to the corporate workplace environment. They understand. They look at, at, at a description of it, and they can say, yes, I understand. I live in that environment day in and day out. We're going to take a moment with our sponsor, and we're going to be back. And this is leading in a direction that would be very timely today to discuss about what happened in Colorado to Dr. Because people have today are thinking about what is causing people to become from one level of stress to become, to go to a direction of out of control anger. Uh, doctor, don't go anywhere. We're going to listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back. Thanks. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist to give your eyes 100% water. Are you sitting at a computer? Are you, ex- your eyes feeling foggy and and drowsy and blurry and maybe exhausted and and wanting to scratch. No, no, all you have to do is just a mist, 100% natural. Nature's Tears Eye Mist with tissue culture grade of water. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back with Dr. McCarthy. World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. McCarthy, when we're talking about what is happening to the world out there and we're thinking about 
the wars that are going on now because they're so different than than the prior history of wars. They're they're wars that are caused from what they call it terroristic. We're going to terrorize you to be afraid of me. Uh, type of wars. In other words, it's more of an individuality, not uh, what you call quote a army of people like they used to have so far back in time. And then all of a sudden, there's this going on with this stress of people saying, "Okay, I'm upset, I'm angry, and misery wants company. They're going to take you with them." And what do you think is ha- what, what can our society cultures do? To, uh, to, for to, them to live to be a safer person, a healthier person, when there's so much. Look at the divorces. Look at the family. They have diagnoses of attention deficits and, and all of these different titles uh, of names that they've got of all these mental or stress, uh, all the way to bipolar, schizophrenia. And then we have what happened there with anger, we'll call it, but... What happened in uh, Colorado this last week? It's just becoming out of control. Well, you know, there are a number of factors that contribute to that, and I talk about them in quite a bit of detail in Chapter 1 of Adrenaline Nation. Uh, I have derived a qualitative model that I call the stress stack that really expands on what kinds of things we should be looking at and considering as stressors in our society. And uh, when you talk about, for example, incidents like the regrettable one that happened in Colorado, um, you're looking at something that has a a number of factors impacting it. Obviously, uh, probably the predominant one for this person who committed these horrific acts was his own, what I call, cognitive filter, the prism through which he views the world. And there are mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual components that help to to create every person's cognitive filter. And in, in his case, obviously, he was exposed to a number of factors uh, information, perhaps there were dietary influences, perhaps there was some kind of chemical influence. We don't know that yet, and um, as the story unfolds, we'll be able to find out, I suspect, uh, what were the, the, the primary things that motivated this person to take a firearm and walk into a theater and start shooting people. But he was obviously dealing with his own form of stress. And when you look at the framework of our society and some of the major factors that uh, impact our cultural outlook, uh, you, you see things like these very violent video games, uh, of course, uh, the programming on television, uh, some of the... the uh, well, everything is so events. violent today. Yes. And I hate and to say the word, word, everything. Uh, it's like I was mentioning to my own husband this weekend. There's a lot of new sitcoms that if people want to watch TV that are very healthy, funny, humorous sitcoms. But my, for so long, they've had so much violence to attract the audience to spend their money because the violence, they were wanting something that was more action, more violent, more mysterious, and almost as if it wasn't realistic, but 
it became very realistic, Doctor, because a lot of people are becoming more violent individually. Well, you know, and there's some emerging research that supports the fact that some of our entertainment options help to create that. So, for example, there was uh, some research done not too long ago on young men who played very violent video games for an extended or over an extended period of time. And what they discovered was that the constant presence of cortisol, which is an adrenally or a hormone produced by the, the adrenal glands, uh, that among other things goes up into the brain, but that cortisol has a detrimental impact on a person's emotional control. And they discovered that these young men who were playing these violent video games were significantly more likely to engage in violent acts themselves than those who did not play those games. And so there's some real uh, compelling research here that I think what it really points to is the balance that we have to strike in our society between our rights and our responsibilities. Yes, we have a right to play those kinds of games. The manufacturers have a right to uh, produce them and offer them for sale to people who are interested in them. But there has to be a collective recognition of responsibility that these kinds of things can contribute to violent acts. Now, Obviously, we don't know enough yet about what's happened in Colorado to know whether or not that was a contributing factor. I'll be really interested to see if it was. It's going to be very interesting to see what happened to a young man who seemed to be a very good student um, and where he, his life became uh, where he wanted to live uh, a, a life of uh, portraying something other than uh, the, the student he seemed to be. Uh, but now you mentioned something. Uh, I'm going to bring out something again here. You know, there's been so much study going on about a person's diet today. And I'm a believer. Now, number one, doctor, if you're not drinking enough water, you'd be more susceptible to, I don't care, the, 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 the toe that's itching all the way to the head of the eyes being too dry or to the brain, it's not getting enough functioning to be healthy. I'm a believer of drinking water. I think it's vital. Water with no added ingredients. Water. But then the other one now is food. The nutrition, you're, each person has a different adrenaline. Let's call it adrenaline. A different craving to certain kinds of foods. And they're learning that sugar and carbohydrate are causing people to have more anxiety to dehydrate. I'll call it dehydration because that's my studies faster. And, uh, what are you finding about food? Are you putting a lot of your patients on a different diet? When you find out they're going through a lot of stress and emotions, uh, are you changing their diet? Well, first of all, I want to clarify some nomenclature here. Um, although I'm a tra- I am a traditional naturopath, I'm not a medical doctor, so I call my the people that I see clients as opposed to patients because I don't diagnose, treat, or cure illness. Right. However, right. You're a naturopath. Yes, I am. So having said that, um, what I look at are the underlying factors to a person's lifestyle that may be creating imbalances in the body that present as symptoms of one kind or another. And I look at, at, at addressing those foundational elements and helping them rebalance their bodies so that that 
those indicators disappear. And again, because I focus exclusively on natural products and natural ways of helping the body heal itself, uh, food is a primary uh, way of being able to do that. And what I found in my research in writing the book was that, number one, almost no one in this country eats what the government nutrition authorities like to call a balanced diet, simply because there is so much variability in uh, food, uh, the different kinds of food that are available around the country, uh, the person's personal tastes, even people who eat organic uh, have their own personal food preferences, and they will gravitate towards some foods and away from others. And so I feel like virtually everyone, especially when we're dealing with a society that is so afflicted with chronic stress, has to fill in the gaps with with good quality nutrients that make up the difference between what a person needs to support a healthy stress response and what they actually get on a daily basis. Now, you know, I started calling in my studies the craving of what you're wanting. You know, have you ever noticed yourself personally, as much as you may have knowledge, I've noticed myself personally uh, that all of a sudden uh, you get a craving for something. And then is that craving mean it's being something healthy for you or is that just a craving of something to put in your mouth and uh, and then all of a sudden when you get it in there, whether it be a chocolate or a cookie or a piece of pie or a piece of meat that you know that you shouldn't be eating because it isn't healthy for you or something that you know that is too much starch, too much carbohydrate, um, that you know darn good and well it might make you exhausted, it might change your anxieties, it may change your mood, and yet people are not willing to learn that personally. That should become a personal study. What am I eating that makes me feel better longer, not just temporarily? Well, you know, I think what that points to, very honestly, is the collective, what uh, uh, Deepak Chopra likes to call hypnosis of social conditioning. Uh, we've been societally conditioned for the better part of a century by our health care system and the people who provide the services from that system to believe that because prescription drugs and surgery and radiation are not only so effective, but also really the only things that uh, are really available on a wide scale in our healthcare system, that we can pretty much eat, drink, or smoke anything we want because modern medicine has all the answers. Well, uh, well you mean I modern medicine is trying to promise a quick fix. Well, you're absolutely right. It's the magic bullet approach. It's exactly. you know, take this drug and it'll alleviate this symptom. And unfortunately, what we've discovered and what I found in my own research is the diet and lifestyle-related illnesses in this country, and they comprise eight out of the top ten that the government gathers statistics about, and they're some of the usual suspects, cancer, heart disease, neurovascular disease, diabetes, just to name a few, they're all stubbornly remaining at the top of the list as the leading causes of death in the country. And so I think it really does beg the question, if they're that stubbornly at the top, what, 
how effective are the treatments that modern medicine is actually offering? And I would submit to you that they're not very effective. And so we need to take a different direction when it comes to health care in this country and quit over-relying on these quick fixes and start looking ultimately in the mirror at ourselves and saying, what can I do as an individual to help my own health improve? And that's part of what I've provided in Adrenaline Nation is some guidelines and some resources that people can use and uh, apply in their daily lives to not only alleviate stress, but also to improve their health over the long term. Well, when you start eating right, drinking enough water, eating correctly for your personal requirements, and we all know that as soon as we've been eating, as soon as you walk away from a meal, you can tell the difference if you felt good or not, if you get drowsy, if you feel sluggish, if you feel like a swollen stomach, if you feel like you're mentally ready to take a nap, that was not a healthy meal. Yeah, that's absolutely right. At the same time, we have to balance uh, what we put into our bodies, and I mean not just uh, the types of food, but the proportions. For somebody who's dealing with a stress-related situation where you're having energy management issues or you know, fatigue is another word for that, uh, that maybe you're having sleep disruption, one of the foundational things that I suggest people do is to have a small, about a palm-sized portion of good quality protein at every meal. And the reason being is that that can help better modulate your blood sugar and allow it to avoid those peaks and valleys that will cause that energy surge when you first put a high-carbohydrate food into your body, but then cause that energy crash when the, the now, blood when sugar... Point of, oh, there's so much going on out there. What is your recommendation and thinking that you've studied? Okay, you've mentioned protein, but... We're finding that some of the proteins are not as healthy. The person is not able to digest them as well, uh, like the fish, the meat, the chickens, and pork, and so on. What are some of the proteins that they should have at the meal to balance out, let's say, a darn good salad that's with dark green vegetables and so on? What are some of those proteins? Because I agree with you, but there's some of those other, um, the meat, the chicken, the fish, and some of that is not easy to digest. Um, do you have some that people could add to the meal to make a more balanced meal to get that protein? Well, you know, I, I don't recommend that everybody go vegan or vegetarian uh, simply because they have trouble digesting protein. I, mm-hmm. What I suggest, very honestly, because that protein is valuable, um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the, the, the uh, research sources that I studied quite extensively, actually, was Dr. Peter Diadamo's blood type-related uh, research as it pertains to diet. And there are blood types uh, that are out there, and I'm, I have one of them. I'm an O blood type, so I need that heavy protein. I need the beef, the the, the veal, the uh, cold water fish. Mm-hmm. And so what I suggest is that people, rather than avoiding that if they're having trouble digesting it, take some digestive enzymes with the meal to help better break down mm-hmm. that protein, mm-hmm. and that will really help out. Now, if somebody is of a blood type, say, you know, A, B, or B, where they do better with a more vegetarian-type diet, there are a number of different protein combinations that you can use. The one that's most prevalent uh, that I've seen is uh, uh, 
rice and beans, that can be a complete protein for somebody who is mm-hmm. in that uh, circumstance. And I, I mentioned that, you know, there's a long list of obviously other combinations, but I try to keep the options that I offer to people available or, or the ones that are the most widely available uh, simply because if you have to go hunting for it, chances are you're not going to do it because you're too darn busy with the rest of your life. Right. Uh, but but also uh, because it's going to be uh, you know very difficult for you from the standpoint of a food preparation uh, point of view to be able to to uh, to do that. And that's very honestly part of I think strategizing how you're going to improve your health. It's one thing to say, well, you can eat this, that, or the other combination of the ingredients, but if the person isn't going to take the time to pull them out of the refrigerator and prepare them properly, all that advice is going to be for you just, thought. You just tapped on to the most important part of everybody's thinking is when they go to eat, take time to, in the, during the day to think about your diet, but also the preparation of what you're going to have to prepare for. A lot of people don't want to do that, so they have to figure out what what they can do to get the right diet to get to get to 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 be able to get the amount of nutrients in them without popping pills all day. Something else I teach too, and I don't know, you'll probably follow this is. Every time you take a supplement, don't take a bunch of supplements together, doctor. I learned in dehydration studies is it has a tendency that maybe the effect uh, in your body, the different supplements might not be agreeing with you. So I try to teach uh, take the supplements separately with a glass of water each time, each one. Um, people are wanting to pop in the mouth even a lot of supplements because they're not getting the nutrition they think they need for the energy they need. Well, again, I think everybody is different in that regard. There are some people that can take supplements individually. Others can take them in combination. And, again, that points to the uniqueness of everyone's biochemistry. Uh, I live in a town, Austin, Texas, where uh, that research was actually first performed back in the 1950s. Ah, tell me, what, what what did they find out? Well, Dr. Roger J. Williams, and he now has the biochemistry center at the University of Texas at Austin named after him, him, discovered that we are indeed, he was able to scientifically prove that we are biochemically unique. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, we each react differently to different foods, different environmental influences, etc. And, of course, by extension, what that means is that we are also unique in our ability to deal with varying levels of stress. And that's why it's so important that each one of us learn, you know, where, where is the greatest freedom, doctor, each individual has? is just what you said, the freedom of going to learn more about that and taking better care of yourself, your own health. We only have a minute left. How would you like to leave the audience today with what they would be learning about the Adrenaline Nation? Okay, first of all, I'd like to offer them a uh, the opportunity to pick up a free gift from me. Uh, if you'll go to Adrenaline-Nation.com, that's Adrenaline-Nation.com, and log in there, become part of my online community, you'll be registered to participate in a drawing for a free iPad. Uh, also, I would invite you to go to PeterMCCarthy.com. They have, I have a series of videos titled Stress-Free Summer, 
that you'll be able to learn more about some of these stressors that most people aren't aware of. And also, uh, my book will be available August 1st uh, on Amazon and also at Barnes & Noble. So uh, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the book and learn a lot more about chronic stress in America. It could be. It is so important because life can be so. We are in control of ourselves. We have that freedom, and like you just said, in the mind is so important. Well, I want to thank you for all that you're doing. You're adding to, uh, to that uh, that secret that Earth has available to us with that whisper. Do not take it with you. You're leaving it behind, Doctor McCarthy. Keep up the good work. Thank it's you so very important. much, Sharon. I do appreciate it. Thanks. You for have a me, nice day, sure. and thank you for all that you're doing. You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Didn't you enjoy that audience? I really think there's so much today because we just heard about what happened in Colorado. and But there's more. There's children being kidnapped and found them, uh, they've been killed. And what's happening to our borders here in America and around the world is the violence and the anger. And if you think that for ever any reason that you have an anxiety to be angry, go to figure it out yourself. Be responsible to what you can do, what's best for your life. And that's the greatest freedom each and every person can have is learn how to be healthy without the medicine cabinet. It is there. There's so much to offer. I want you to know that every day I get up, I know that Earth has a secret because that secret says to me, embrace my life. But I want to make sure that I embrace other people's lives, too, that their lives are so important, your life. But Earth is whispering. We need to leave something behind as we pass on. We're never completely gone. We're not going to say goodbye. We're going to be able to leave something behind that is so important and pay it forward forever. You're that important. And I think water is an issue. I think your life is an issue. And if you join me with my prayer that water will become the priority to all life on earth, it's the nature of our breath of life. I want to thank you for listening, and uh, you have a nice day. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 